You're listening to The Co Show, a father-daughter intergenerational conversation about the subjects that really matter. Welcome to The Co Show, the weekly daddy-daughter podcast that brings you 30 minutes of cross-generational talk brought to you by your co-hosts, the two Tonys. I'm Tony the Daddy. And here is my darling daughter. Junior Tony, some may say. Junior Tony, yes. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thank you. I'm enjoying the weekend. I've been working really hard on a campaign through the week uh, to save our venues across the UK. And it's been quite nice to have two days just to relax and walk around. I know. You've, you've done a fantastic job. You've, you've raised quite a lot of money, haven't you? Yeah, £200,000 so far and lots more announcements coming this week. So... Very, very exciting times for saving venues, I think. And the brilliant thing is you've done it all from your home and in a lockdown. Yeah, I know. It's given me a sense of purpose again, which is great. But also I think it's such a a good way to focus your mind on something, doing something positive. Absolutely. Now, I, don't, I know you don't like the way I discuss this podcast, the concept about it being wrinklies and... Don't say it. Don't really. say it. So how would you describe it for the benefit of our dear listener? I don't know. The traditional versus the, the millennial, maybe. <laughs> Explain that a bit more. Well, I wouldn't say you're very traditional, to be honest. Thank <laughs> you. I think, I think that was a compliment. Yeah, pretty, pretty forward thinking. <laughs> pretty you. forward thinking. That does sound rude. Sorry. Yeah. I think you're very progressive for a Tory. Mm. you can't resist can you no i'm sorry (laughs) anyhow any road up you're listening to the co-show remember that we do need your help so please dear listener get in touch with us uh you can email us at the co-show podcast at gmail.com or tweet us at co-show podcast Uh, if you've not listened to the first two episodes we uh episode one was about actually getting into this and planning the podcast we don't really know what we're doing we're just making it up as we go along so it's quite interesting to listen to that discussion and then we moved on to our first guest so maybe you could just say a few words about what's in episode two my darling daughter yeah so we thought we'd talk to um my little sister mindy about how she has transformed her business to help her survive um the lockdown period Um, as that seems to be affecting lots of independently owned businesses, lots of self-employed people. And that was a really educational and uh, innovative conversation, I would say. It was, yeah, it it really was. The other thing you said to me, by the way, um, when we were discussing our podcast generally, is that I talk too much. So how are you going to rectify that? Well, I just think you just need to to allow some time to breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I've, I've been working on my psychology on that, so hopefully I'll be better today. You might change the podcast name to Reeducating Dad. <laughs> well, it's working. So uh, this is episode three, which we're calling Life After Lockdown. Um, so I think there's quite a lot to talk about here, Tony, isn't there? There sure is. And although we haven't done our research, we have made points, so... Let's start with our first point, shall we, Dad? Well, we can do. Um, I just wanted to say to you, uh, since this is a cross-generational talk show, uh, with you representing the younger generation and me representing the senior 
generation. What did you think of the news this week about Boris and Carrie? I haven't heard the news. I've been too busy campaigning. Tell me. Okay. All right. Well, this is really interesting. They've had their baby. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And the name of the baby is Wilfred Laurie. Oh, for goodness sake. (laughs) It's a good Tory name. It is. For goodness sake. And you know what? He... Little Wilfred, has, it's as if they've taken the hair off Boris's head and put it on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> serious. I'm absolutely serious. But, um, you know, our talk about cross-generation, they are actually, you know, you know that Carrie is your age. No, but I do know that she's a vegan. She is, and I think it's she's Having made... a very positive, positive effect on old Boris. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, uh, she's a quite a passionate activist as well. I think in terms of animal welfare and stuff. Uh, but it, it just made me think because Boris is obviously a lot nearer my age. Um, he's actually, I think, eight years my junior. But I, I don't know what you think about these marriages. You know, that have these very large gaps. What do you have any sort of views about that? Um, no, not really. I kind of feel like if people are happy, then, you know, that's fair enough. I I, I think that once you get into being 30 years older than someone, I think that, well, it's difficult. I think if the person's in their 20s and the the other person is in their 50s, I think there's a bit of a strangeness to that because Mm. essentially that person could be their child. Um, and I think there could be some complications in terms of where people are in their lives and um, emotionally, like psychologically and stuff like that. But um, generally, I think if people are happy, you know... They, well, they I, I absolutely agree with you on the happiness front. It just, it, it just seems to me that, you know, when you've got that, that many years between you, you're literally a different generation and you wonder how, you know... It, it, Carrie's in a very different stage in her life, really. And, you know, I mean, it, it, the idea of, of 55, which is what Boris, is Boris's age, the idea of sort of having a little baby, when I look at, you know, your elder sister, your um, elder sister and her husband, Brad, I mean, you know, the amount that goes in, the sheer energy and commitment has to go into looking after a baby. I mean, I just can't imagine taking that on. I'd imagine they've got a bit of help, Dad. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... That, that... They've probably got a nanny or something. But... Yeah, I, when I was discussing it with uh, your stepmom, Kiki, she said exactly the same thing. <laughs> anyway, life after lockdown. So how do, you see, how do you see life after lockdown from your end of the uh, generational continuum? Well, I think I'm spending a lot of time at the moment considering what's going to happen to my industry, the industry that I work in. And I feel like it's either going to go one of two ways. Either people are going to just be so desperate to get out and go and watch live music and go and, you know, socialise that they're not going to care about the impact of um, getting sick. Or it'll be the other way around and people are just going to be completely agoraphobic and not want to be around other people or go to anything. I, I just, at the moment, I just can't say. And I think part of the reason that, it's hard to predict is because there's still no timeline in place. Like mm. there's some whispers that, uh, well, again, in my industry, uh, there's some whispers that they might be softening the lockdown for music venues around the 30th of June. Really? Um, yeah. 
But I, I just don't see how we can do that safely. I mean, we already know just from working on the campaign that the government has no process in place for opening venues safely again. So um, it's just very hard to, without any kind of like guidance from the government on when we'll be able to open or, or what the process might be. It's just very hard to predict. Um, I know that I'm really suffering from not being able to go and watch live music. This is the longest I've ever gone without watching a show. Mm. Um, and I'm also just really, really missing my family and friends. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if we'll all just get to a point where we're like, let's just, you know, let things happen. You know, if we get sick, we get sick. But I don't want to be without my friends and family much longer than this. I don't know. How about, how about for you? Well, that's a good question because I was just as you were saying that about, you know, maybe maybe we'll get to a situation where we just think, you know, we, we've just got to go for it. But I think that's a lot easier at your age uh, than it is at our age, for instance, because, you know, Boris nearly died from this. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, an article in today's sun, uh, an interview with him about it. And I think I, I haven't read it, but I've heard about it. And it, apparently it's, it's quite an emotional piece because uh, it, it sort of shows how close he got to dying. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty strong guy. And uh, for it for it to do that to him, I think, just goes to show what a dangerous um, disease this is. I don't know. I think if you look at Boris, you can probably see that there's some underlying health issues there. I mean, mm-hmm. he's working in an extremely stressful job. It must be so yeah. stressful, his job. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that he's... He certainly wasn't the prime minister I wanted, but I can still appreciate the amount of stress that he's under. You can see it on his face. He's mm. not a slim guy at all. He's not a slim no. and athletic guy. Yeah, and obesity is a big risk factor, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So, mm. I, I mean, without meaning to be too judgmental, I think that it's quite... You can see that there could be a problem for him. I mean, you know, when you, you say he's a healthy guy, I, I, don't, I don't look at him and think that he looks like a healthy guy. And also, I think that it might be scary for your generation, Dad, but, you know, you know that I'm on the shielding list. Yeah. I've, I'm actually on the shielding list with an autoimmune disease. And I think that there are so many young people th- that are vulnerable as well. But what's the point in living life if you're going to have to live it in a box? You know, well, I think I'd rather have 10, five to 10 years living life to its full. I mean, it, it, it's the same way that I feel about, you know, being, I, obviously the listeners won't know, but I'm absolutely covered in tattoos and that can be quite shocking for some people. But I think that, you know, live life vibrantly. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just... Sorry, that was a bit lost on me. What's that got to do with tattoos? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that a lot of people are afraid of, about you know i just they live their life in fear in fear of what other people think fear of getting hurt oh i see what you mean so don't work yeah and i'm saying i think that i think people should live life vibrantly to its fullest and enjoy it as much as you can love as much as you can experience as much as you can and you know i think that there's only going to be so long that we can go we can be locked away in our houses not having contact with our friends and family before we go effort I I don't care anymore I'd rather get I'd rather live life vibrantly and and live less years 
but that's just um that's just my feeling has it made you sort of has the whole uh, lockdown and and the sort of almost existential threat in a way uh, has has it made you reconsider what's important yes definitely um you know i think like you in fact like you and my older sister i think that we are workaholics i think that we really enjoy working and we work ourselves really hard and i think that it made me quite um introspective about what really matters i think we were having a conversation the other day about how the, the simple things are what really matters it's you know you know sitting with a loved one and you know, watching the sunset, reading a book, going for a nice walk, eating really nice food. You know, it, it's, it's very tricky because, you know, I, I've always had such great life satisfaction from my career, but all of the things that I missed doing with loved ones because I said that I had work to do, it's just, I just don't think it's worth it. It's made me really consider whether I want to go back to work after the lockdown. Yeah, it's like not, not, not many uh, people at their end of their lives say, oh, gosh, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's made me reconsider what's, what's important and it's made me consider very carefully the amount of time that, that uh, we have left. I mean, obviously a lot shorter than the amount of time you have left. I mean, all things being where they ought to be. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Uh, um, as you know, we're thinking of moving to the country, and, and I, I thought that was well, well in the distance. You know, I didn't expect to be looking at moving out of London now. You, of course, live in Hastings, which is, you know, countryfied. Um, we live in Kensington, which is completely the opposite. And I expected that, you know, we would go on doing that for a, a good many more years, enjoying the theatre and restaurants and and so on but I I don't think I want to do that anymore you know it's I think living in a dense city with the threat of these kind of uh, viral assaults um, perhaps becoming more and more commonplace because that's what scientists are saying will happen um, I don't want to be in a dense environment you know I'd, I'd rather be in a rural environment so and it's I yeah you can have that kind of culture in smaller areas as well I mean you're, you're currently looking at the possibility of Stratford. Stratford has a great theatre. It's a Shakespeare, oh, yes. Shakespeare yeah. theatre, hasn't it? And it's Absolutely. Loads, loads of really nice, cute, independent rest, restaurants and cafes. I know the area really well. Um, yeah. And what I like about, you know, uh, Tom and I used to live in Guildford, which is obviously very uh, a very mi middle-class kind of area. Um, and we loved moving to Brighton because it's so progressive and so inclusive and there's so much going on. Um, but sometimes it feels like a bit of an assault on the senses because there's too much going on. And actually moving to Hastings is really interesting because, like you said, it's slightly countryfied, but it's not a wealthy area. Yeah. You get the impression that it's still very much kind of working class, but it it has all of the progressiveness of Brighton without the chaos. And I yeah. just I just love it. And, you know, even being in my 30s and, and slowing down a bit, I'm just, we, we went for like a two hour walk yesterday, which I know you're not supposed to, <laughs> um, but it was just absolute bliss. It was like beautiful and interesting and yeah, it, I just love the area so much. 
There's nothing um, wrong with going for a two-hour walk, by the way. Oh, really? I thought we were still on 30-minute... Well, we, we were never... There was never a time limit. It was just once a day. Right, well, in... See, this is the thing with the with the being uh, for being on the shielding list. I only found this out last week, but from what I understand, you're not really supposed to be leaving the house at all. But I, I think mm. that, that I'd go balmy if I didn't leave the house. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's so important that we get fresh air, and you know, yeah. I, that I think that walking and thinking are really linked. Like being able to find, um, you know, a sense of self or you know like working out your thoughts uh, you know i think that it's really closely linked with walking and i think that when we're not walking we become disconnected with ourselves. um i've gone off no. on a tangent no, 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 <laughs> you haven't uh, i i agree i mean i i think to us our daily walk and we we probably walked for about two hours yesterday um and I, I mean it's so important it's it's the highlight of our day really and we do a, do a lot of our talking and planning and you know this will make you laugh by the way talking about reconsidering things in your life we we're very strongly considering when we do move to the country buying a dog oh my god that's wild yeah why i mean i'm that i'm stoked but why well you know as you know we we like the idea of having a narrow boat. Um, you can get a sausage dog, aren't you? <laughs> no, I've, we've had that. That was an argument, and I said, "There's no way. It's not a man's dog, is it? A little bloody yappy." Oh know, my god! Toxic thing. masculinity. Hello. Yeah, no, no, no. That's not going to work. <laughs> so we think we're going to compromise with a cockapoo. Yeah, I mean, they've got hypoallergenic fur. They love kids. They love everyone. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the ideal dog. I mean, I've just got to get over the picking up poo business. I mean, that I I might have to go for some psych, you know, counselling. Now, Dad, just pick it up and chuck it in the canal. <laughs> we'll chuck it at the runners part, you know, the runners that come past. No, actually, that now there is an idea. <laughs> the, and that them and the cyclist. No, we probably want a couple of bikes too, so I can't chuck poo at cyclists either. A uh, little note to our uh, listeners: um, adopt, don't shop when it comes to dogs. Tone okay. does not approve in buying dogs. So uh, how, how should we get our cockapoo then? You, well, I, I would say you don't go for a breed. You go for the personality of the dog. It's about meeting the right dog. And there are, it doesn't matter what breed they are. You'll, the, you'll find the right one. And we used um, uh, Wild at Heart Foundation, which basically uh, rescue dogs in Cyprus, China, Bulgaria, Romania. Uh, you know, they're, they're rescuing lots of dogs from the... Um, the Chinese meat trade over, over in China. I just said that. Mm. Um, China, they, China. <laughs> I'm not sure that's politically correct, but okay. Um, <laughs> no, well, no, I'm just thinking of Trump. No, no, about, I know, I got it. Wanted got to it. talk about conspiracies at some stage. We're not going to get anywhere near that way. We're going. No, we're but um, but uh, yeah, I'm just thinking. I was just thinking about the way he says China. Yeah, he's an idiot. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Moving on from dogs. No, I, well, I want, uh, we, we will, what I will say is that we will circle back to you when it, when the time comes, if and when. Awesome. The time comes. That's yeah. so exciting. But I thought you'd be interested in my little bit of news. Right. Let's get back to the great unlock. Okay. So apparently we're going to get an announcement on Thursday as to what the plan's going to look like. You're, you're aware of that, I take it. Yes. Yeah. So how do you see the great unlock happening? 
Well, personally, my view up to this point has been that we won't be properly, you know, um, coming out of lockdown until a vaccine is in place. Um, and my thoughts were that that wasn't going to happen until early 2021. Um, Minimum. I think there's going to be a bit of writing in place with people not wanting to uh, have the vaccine. Um, so what I should we do about that? You know, hold them down to the gurney and stick it in them? No, I think that you, you know, people have human rights and I think they should have the human right to say no to a vaccine. There's no proof that vaccines work anyway. Not really. Well, I think the way that, um, I don't know whether we do it here, maybe we do it here, I'm not sure, you would know better than I do, but uh, in some countries, certainly, I think America is one of them, you have the right to say no to a vaccine, let's say a whooping cough or measles vaccine, but in exercising that right, the government will say to you, your child can't go to school. Wow, I didn't know that. But, you yeah. know, I, without naming names, I think we've got an anti-vaxxer in our family. Okay. Um, and I, I have a lot of friends, you know, like I said, I'm very, I come from a very radical left-wing friendship group, I guess, mm. uh, who, are, who are also quite mean about anti-vaxxers but I feel like I understand it like I feel like I can I totally understand why someone wouldn't want to vaccinate their child there's they can cause vaccines can cause so much harm to the body and there isn't actually any proof that they will 100% guarantee that you don't get get the virus anyway get a virus um, I, I think that that is wrong-headed thinking um with all due respect I, I I think the science couldn't be clearer on it I mean I don't think you're going to find a credible scientist who would who would support what you just said. I think maybe this could be a whole new episode in itself. Well, it could be. Oh well, it actually could. It, it, could might be. Okay. Be, it might have to involve some research because um, I know that the person in our family had a very long discussion with their partner about it, and they they did a pro versus con list. Right. Yeah. They might be good people to invite onto the show. Okay, well then that's a, that's a good one. Uh, I've I've set out my position. You've set out yours. They are at opposite ends. And, oh, I'd uh, like to say that that's not my position. I just say oh. that I under, I understand. Oh, okay, all right. That is a bit different. Yeah, all right. Uh, so just returning to the great unlock. So to summarise what you said, um, I think you, we're waiting for. A, a, we're, we're we're waiting for a vaccine. Now, if we're waiting for a vac, if in effect what you mean is. Not only does there have to be a vaccine, but everyone has to be vaccinated, where, whilst at the same time saying that you would support people's right not to be vaccinated, which is a little bit difficult to square the circle there, I think. Uh, but let's just take that out of the equation. If we're talking about that, I mean, you, you must be talking about two years. Well... I think that they have, they've made uh, some big steps with the... Um, with testing a vaccine at the moment um but we don't have a vaccine yet and then you've got to mass produce it and then you you've got to and you've got to administer it to everybody that's a two-year program i can't see that being done in less than two years i think it's possible i think when there's a will there's a way that's such an annoying thing to say but <laughs> i think that <laughs> i think that it's possible we could have a vaccine by early january i think that it's going to be a, a whole another uh problem or issue to work out when when they have to decide who gets it first and i think that that could become a classist problem 
because uh, it could be about who has money, who doesn't, who's more important to society. I think that's a pretty big and scary thought. Um, but I mean, there's been a lot of rioting this weekend in London. I don't know if you've um, read about it, about people who who what don't believe we should be in lockdown right now anyway. I hadn't heard that, no. Yeah, there's been some rioting in London uh, this weekend about how uh, people think that it's just the government sort of like, uh, I don't know, like trying to control. <laughs> oh, there's conspiracy <laughs> theories that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, again, conspiracy theories, but a lot of people are linking it with 5G as well about radiation. Um, I've certainly got a little bit um, sucked in with the whole idea that COVID-19 is actually man-made and not... A... Oh, you were... so you do like Trump? Uh, no, I don't like Trump. Well, well you seem to be in agreement with him. Well, I think he's in agreement with me. <laughs> no, I don't want to be linked with Trump at all. Please never say that again. Okay. I, I, do, I, I do have concerns. You know I was only joking, right? Yeah, good. I do have concerns that it's man-made. Um, but then again, it has to be man-made anyway, in a way, because of our neglect of the way we look after animals and the fact that we eat them. And Well, I mean, it's man-made in the sense that climate change is man-made. Exactly. Uh, I mean, but, it's so it's, but I mean, that's quite different from what I think Trump's position is that, that it was made, you know, with malice intent. I, see, I'm um, not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying no. that it's made with malice intent, but I'm saying that uh, it seems to be a product of our ignorance or our neglect. And yeah. I think that um, it's it's a bit... Or our mistreatment of animals, actually. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, But I, I think that it is an interesting uh, th uh, thing to think that it, it this virus has managed to survive in hot temperatures as well as in cold temperatures, and I think that's quite unusual. Um, well, I mean, the, the World Health Organization are quite clear that this is not something that has been produced by in a laboratory, let's put it that way, because yeah. that's, that's, that's Trump's position. It was produced in a laboratory, um, which his own security, he said that there's evidence, he's seen evidence to that effect, but his own security people, as I understand it, have come out and said there is no such evidence. I just and, don't and, believe anything he says at all. I think he's the most uneducated yeah. buffoon ever but you know the the world health organization are quite clear that uh, that this uh, is highly likely to have originated in bats uh, but there needs to be an intermediary host before it jumps to a human and they have been unable so far to identify which what species was the intermediary host that's as i understand the so position the pangolian then if i've said it right but they haven't they haven't made to come to a conclusion as to what the intermediary host is yet. Mm. Um, Did you watch that contagion film that I told you to watch? No. <laughs> but it's on the list. Uh, yeah, it's, it's on very the list. Interesting. I think that it's very um there's a lot of correlation between that film and what's been happening. Okay, I will watch it. I'm looking forward to that. So, right, moving on to not moving on but sticking with the great unlock. Yeah, you've you've given your prediction. Um I think that I don't think you're that far wrong that we probably need a vaccine. I think, however, the going back to your thing about, look, you know, we've got to get home. We've got to take some risks and get on with life. I think that we have got to start moving out. What do you think is going to happen to the travel industry? That seems to be right at the top of the list that everybody's talking about. Well, you know, I had a trip. I've had two trip book, book this year. Um, 
I was supposed to go to Amsterdam a couple of weekends ago for Roadburn Festival. That's yeah. been cancelled. Well, actually, we've just moved the trip to go next year. And uh, Tom and I were supposed to be going to Salem in October yeah. in America. Um, and I think that that's unlikely to happen too. Um, but I think that this whole situation is just going to make us have to take a, a look at the way we're affecting the environment. You know, what I think this whole lockdown has proven what an effect we have on the environment you know we're seeing all these animals come out of nowhere well wildlife is taking over again you know you've mm. got wild dolphins in venice you've got boars in paris you've got you know just animals everywhere so it just goes to show that humans are ruining the environment and not only that we've got clean air yeah we do have clean air for the bluer first skies time. bluer skies clean air you look at the ozone layer as well, you know, the impact of C, um, CO2 or whatever it's called um, has been, it's been significant in lockdown. Um, and actually, as production starting to start again, we can see the bad effects it's having on the environment. So sure. yeah. I think that it's going to, we're going to have to look at um, particularly kind of like flying and whether it's worth it anymore or whether we, sh you know, we should be doing it less. I, 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 I'm just not sure that people are, are going to be happy about getting onto buses, trains, and and planes. Where in 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 situations where they are where they cannot uh, distance. I, mean, I don't like the term socially distance. I think it's physical distancing. I can tell you, Dad. If they if they soften the lockdown, there'll be people on flights tomorrow. You think so? Yeah, because I, I won't be one of them. I, I think won't be people are that self-involved, you know, that they... You, are, might they be right. you might be right, but I think it's going to... I think it's going to affect a lot of people's views about going on, you know, get, getting into situations where they feel safe when they are in close proximity to others. So, I, and certainly the way that the the aircraft, the air, airline industry is is reacting to this, they are predicting two years before at least two years before we get back to the same sort of levels now your position and i think my position is too that we don't want to get back to those levels i think we should use this right. as an excuse to rethink our whole attitude to, to to transportation why do we have to keep getting on airplanes and burning all this you know stuffing all this these emissions into the into the beautiful air that you know that we all breathe why do we why do we feel the need to do that your, posi your position's changing quite a lot because you you were quite a frequent flyer yes. um, and i remember our last conversation about this subject you said well you know we've not got much long left in our yes. lives and we want to enjoy our lives so we're going to continue to fly yes um, you're, you're is absolutely that right now? Is that yes changing? yes i mean and that's part of our, our our thinking about moving to the country and, and getting a narrowboat because um uh i don't think we're going to want to to do, to get onto planes and and travel across uh, across the world uh and we see ourselves as probably you know having st staycations you know just staying in the uk we live in a beautiful country i mean there's there's a lot to enjoy just within uh, our own green and pleasant land so well, planes as well i guess people will, will be getting on cruises less if you look at the infection rate of of people that have been on cruises and whole cruise ship getting sick uh, with COVID-19. Absolutely. Ships, I mean, they're talking already that, you know, the whole way that cruises are 
managed will have to be totally uh, changed. They're talking about, you know, that there will be no buffets. The, the, the self-service buffet will be a thing of the past. It'll have to be bought. Your food will have to be bought to you. Far less people. Um, We've just know. been on a cruise as well just before this all kicked off. Yeah, on. and it was the, probably the best holiday or certainly one of the best holidays we've ever experienced. And we, and we loved it so much. We booked another one for France, um, which uh, later this year, I think it's October in France. And I don't think that's ha- going to happen. And I don't think I'd even, I don't think I'd even want to go on it. Yeah. I also feel quite negatively and quite inclined towards airlines because, you know, British Airways cancelled our flights to Miami, our return flights to my, Miami. They, they cancelled them on the 19th of March. They told us that our refund, they owe us £6,000, by the way. Wow. Okay. They, they told us that that would be on, back on our credit card within 10 days, and it's still not, no sign of it. They don't take phone calls anymore. No. Um, they, they can't tell us when we'll get our money back. I mean, I think it's outrageous. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel hostile towards them. Well, I feel hostile. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm having a bit of a rant. Okay. I feel hostile about um, uh, American Express, who are the credit card company, because they are jointly and severally liable, and they just shut us down whenever we try and get anywhere with them. And they are, you know, they both owe us the money six thousand. That's a lot of money, and uh, I'm hopping mad about that. And fortunately, we have a very good MP in Felicity Buchanan, our MP here in Kensington, Tory MP, by the way. First MP that I've ever come across who actually does anything, proactive woman. She's written to British Airways on our behalf, so I hope that that uh, gets them to do the right thing. Anyway, rant over. Well, I don't have quite the same fury, but I can tell you that EasyJet owe me an, e- an easy 40 quid <laughs> for my trip to, uh, trip to Amsterdam. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Um, but they, just, they just said, um, no, you don't need to ask us for a refund. The refund will be automatic, but it could take yeah. up to two months. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you, I very much hope you get your money. Listen, darling, this has been great, but we, 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 we're nowhere near through the issues we were going to discuss. So I think we're going to have to continue this next week. Are you, are you up for that? Yeah. Part two. Of Life part after two. lockdown, part, part two. Absolutely. So I think we're going to have to bring it uh, to a close because we're over the 30, <laughs> we're over our 30 minute. Yeah, thank you to your rant to Amex yeah. and uh, British Airways. Yeah, sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> it had to be said, I had to get it off my chest. You've been listening to The Co Show. Um, please do get in touch with us. We need your help. We want all the advice on what we should be doing differently. Uh, so email us at thecoshowpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at Podcast. Thank you for listening and take it from the wrinkly in the room. nice (laughs) there's not much time left be good to one another use your time wisely life is very very short so it's goodbye from me and from Hastings my darling daughter stay smart stay smooth (laughs) that's a wrap bye see you next time